chapter thirty two of yon of the windmill this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org yon of the windmill by juliana horatia ewing chapter thirty two the baker on and on the church bell a digression a familiar hymn the boy's home jan stopped at last from lack of breath to go on his feet had been winged by terror and he looked back even now with fear to see the cheap jack's misshapen figure in pursuit he had had no food for hours but the pence the dark gentleman had given him were in his chalk pouch and he turned into the first baker's shop he came to to buy a penny loaf it was a small shop served by a pleasant-faced man who went up and down humming whistling and singing like tiny pipe of wheaten straw the wren his little note doth swell and every living thing that flies a penny loaf please said jan laying down the money and the man turned and said why you be the boy that draws on the pavement for a moment jan was silent it presented itself to him as a new difficulty that he was likely to be recognized there was a flour-barrel by the counter and as he pondered he began mechanically to sift the flour through his finger and thumb you be used to flour seemingly said the baker smiling was he ever in a mill he seems to have a miller's thumb in a few minutes jan had told his story and had learned with amazement and delight that the baker had not only been a windmiller's man but had worked in master lake's tower mill he was in fact the man who had helped george the very night that jan arrived but he confirmed the fact that it was sal who brought jan by his account of her and he seemed to think that she was probably his mother he was very kind he refused to take payment for the loaf and went humming whistling and singing away to get jan some bacon to eat with it when he was alone jan's hand went back to the flour and he sifted and thought the baker was kind but he had said that it was an acrid thing for a boy to quarrel with parents jan felt that he expected him to go home perhaps at this moment the baker had gone with the best intentions to fetch the cheap jack and bring about a family reunion terror had become an abiding state of jan's mind and it seized him afresh like a palsy he left the penny on the counter and shook the flower dust from his fingers and stealing with side glances of dread into the street he sped away once more he had no knowledge of localities he ran on and on as people do in fairy tales sometimes he rested on a doorstep sometimes he hid in a shutter-box or under an archway he had learned to avoid the police and he moved quickly from one dark corner to another with a hunted look in his black eyes late in the night he found a heap of straw near a warehouse on which he lay down and fell asleep 
at eight o'clock the next morning he was awakened by the clanging of a bell and he jumped up in time to avoid a porter who was coming to the warehouse and ran on and on it was a bright morning and the sun was shining but jan's feet were sore and his bones ached from cold and weariness yesterday the struggle to escape the cheap jack had kept him up but now he could only feel his utter loneliness and misery there was not a friendly sound in all the noises of the great city the street cries of food he could not buy the quarrelling the laughter with which he had no concern the tramp of strange feet the roar of traffic and prosperity in which he had no part he was so lonely so desolate that when a sound came to him which was familiar and pleasant and full of old and good and happy associations it seemed to bring his sad life to a climax to give just one strain too much to his powers of endurance like the white lights he put to his black sketches it seemed to bring the darkness of his life into relief and he felt as if he could bear no more and would like to sit down and die the sound came through the porch of a church it was the singing of a hymn one of charles wesley's hymns of which master swift was so fond the sooty iron gates were open and so was the door jan crept in to peep and he caught sight of a stained window full of pale faces which seemed to beckon him and he went into the church and no one molested him there is a very popular bit of what i venture to think a partly false philosophy which comes up again and again in magazines and story-books in the shape of satirical contrast between the words of the general confession or the litany and the particular materials in which the worshippers the intercessors and the confessing sinners happen to be clothed but since broadcloth has never yet been made stout enough to keep temptation from the soul and silk has proved no protection against sorrow i confess that i never could see anything more incongruous in the confessions and petitions of handsomely dressed people than of ragged ones that any sinner can be miserable in satin seems impossible or at least offensive to some minds perhaps to those who know least of the reckless callous light-heartedness of the most ragged reprobates this has nothing to do it seems to me with the fact that a certain degree of outlay on dress is criminal on several grave accounts nor even with the incongruous spectacle of a becoming bonnet arranged during the litany by the tightly gloved fingers of a worshipper who would probably not be any the more devout for being uncomfortably conscious of bad clothes an old friend of my childhood used to tell me that she always thought a good deal of her dress before going to church that she might quite forget it when there surely dress has absolutely nothing to do with devotion and the impertinent patronage of worshippers in fustian is at least as offensive as the older-fashioned vulgarity of pride in congregations who come in their own carriages 
and i do protest against the flippant inference that good clothes for the body must lower the assumptions of the spirit or make repentance insincere which i no more believe than that the worship of a clean christian is less acceptable than that of a brother who cannot afford or does not value the use of soap i am perhaps anxious to defend this congregation on which jan stumbled in the pale light of early morning in the city from any imputation on the sincerity of its worship because it was mostly very comfortably clad the men were chiefly businessmen with a good deal of the obnoxious broadcloth about them and with well-brushed hats beneath their seats one of the stoutest and most comfortable-looking with an intelligent face and a fair clean complexion which spoke of good food stood near the door he wore a new great coat with a velvet collar but his grey eyes they had seen middle age and did not shine with any flash of youthful enthusiasm were fixed upon the window and he sang very heartily and by heart other refuge have i none hangs my helpless soul on thee leave ah leave me not alone still support and comfort me the tears flowed down jan's cheeks it had been a favorite hymn of his foster mother and he had often sung it to her master swift used to give the note and then sink himself into the bass part and these quaint duets had been common at the mill how delightful such simple pleasures seem to those who look back on them from the dark places of the earth full of misery and wickedness in spite of his tears jan was fain to join as the hymn went on and he sang like a bird all my trust on thee is stayed all my help from thee i bring cover my defenceless head with the shadow of thy wing it was the hymn after the third collect and when it was ended the comfortable-looking gentleman motioned jan into a seat and he knelt down when the service was over the same gentleman took him by the arm and asked what's the matter with you my boy a rapid survey of his woes led jan to reply i've no home sir the congregation had dispersed quickly for the men were going to business this gentleman walked fast and he hurried jan along with him who are your parents he asked the service had recalled jan's highest associations and he was anxious to tell the strict truth i don't rightly know sir said he are you hungry yes sir sobbed poor jan they were stopping before a large house and the gentleman said look here my boy if you had a good home and good food and clothes would you work would you try to be a good lad and learn an honest trade i'll be glad sir said jan have you ever worked what can you do asked the gentleman i can mind pigs but i do think twould be best for i to be in a mill and i've got a miller's thumb jan said this because the idea had struck him that if he could only get home again he might hire himself out at a mop to master lake a traditional belief in the force of the law of hiring made him think that this would protect him against any claim of the cheap jack before the gentleman could reply the house-door was opened by a boy 
some years older than jan who was dispatched to fetch the master jan felt sure that it must be a school though he was puzzled by the contents of the room in which they waited it was filled with pretty specimens of joiners and cabinet makers work some quite and some partly finished there were also brushes of various kinds so that if there had been a suitable window jan would have concluded that it was a shop in two or three moments the master's step sounded in the passage jan had pleasant associations with the word master and he looked up with some vague fancy of seeing a second master swift not that master swift or any one else in the slow-going little village ever walked with this sharp hasty tread as if one hoped to overtake time with such a step the gentleman himself went away when he had said to jan be a good boy my lad and attend to your master and he'll be a good friend to you he was not in the least like master swift he was young and youthfully dressed a schoolmaster with neither spectacles nor a black coat was a new idea to jan but he seemed to be kind for with a sharp look at jan's pinched face he said you'll be glad of some breakfast my lad i fancy and breakfast's only just over come along and away he went at double quick time down the passage and jan ran after him on their way to the kitchen they crossed an open court where boys were playing and round which ran mottoes in large letters you can read said the master quickly as he caught jan's eyes following the texts have you ever been to school yes sir said jan can you write what else have you learned jan pondered his stock of accomplishments i can write sir and cipher and i've learned geography and history and master swift gave i lessons in mechanics and i'd be very fond of poetry and painting and the master was painfully familiar with the invective and boastful power of street boys he pushed jan before him into the kitchen saying smartly but good-humouredly there there don't make up stories my boy you must learn to speak the truth if you come into the home we don't expect poets and painters he added smiling if you can chop wood and learn what you're taught you'll do for us a smile stole over the face of a shrewd-looking lad who was washing dishes at the table jan saw that he was not believed and his tears fell into the mug of cocoa and on to the bread which formed his breakfast end of chapter thirty two